We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cosmic being. We found out that I was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand with a cover as a man. We no longer under the laws of Moses. The world that we can cut with violence and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee. And cults. <sighs> Hi, John. Hi, Sam. Hi, listeners. And welcome to Coffee and Cults, where once a month or thereabouts we meet, drink coffee and talk cults, fringe religious groups and new religious movements from around the world. Please be aware this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners as it will contain strong language and some other fuckery. There's some strong language, eh? Content warning for discussion of murder, animal abuse, sex scandals, theft and oven misuse. Oven misuse. Oh no. What a way to start 2021. Happy New Year, listeners. Happy Uh, New Year, everybody. We did it. We made it. I mean, we say that. We're still in the midst of a pandemic, but we made it through that one year. And to bring the mood down a little bit, I suppose some of us didn't. And let's acknowledge that sadness as well. But those of us that are here, we did get through one of the weirdest years in our lives and uh we hope you're doing okay we hope you're raring to go for 2021 <laughs> did you have a nice new year celebration john i did it was very quiet and tame but it was a thing and it happened how about you sam uh i was in bed by 10:45 p.m. Uh, cuz i worked the next day at half past 8 so oh, yeah. had totally some wine cool. and went to bed that's really fair it was it was basically uh a bit like i don't know if you see have you seen that is it absolutely fabulous the new year's no episode so there's a big long running <laughs> welcome to john badly explains episodes of british sitcoms listeners Hooray! that's the podcast you all wanted to listen to in 2021 uh eddie has been wanting to go um uh out for a big night out but um patsy's sister shows up and that sort of ruins the plan so she ends up having to stay with her with the rest of her family and makes a big sort of fuss about that and they're watching the countdown on the tv and as soon as the countdown goes they all cheer and then immediately the the grandmother character goes right okay then off to bed then as soon as it's gone it's like yeah yeah that was pretty much the vibe this year um, just wanted to make sure the year finished and then yeah make sure it was safely out the uh out of the way um but otherwise yeah otherwise it was good the whole sort of festive period was was quiet obviously um but yeah but spooky kind of spooky yeah i don't know i i had planned to defer celebrating my birth sam until as you know until january but that's that's no good now so no i think we should all just have a big celebration for all the celebrations that we missed and we'll do individual ones with fun groups of people and we That's can really celebrate yeah but we'll celebrate your birthday and then we'll have another celebration for christmas and for new year but whenever it is safe to do that vaccinate me well <laughs> <laughs> oh, i don't think you should call up the nhs <laughs> with, that, just... with that noise vaccinate me well a bit golden state killer isn't it <laughs> <laughs> um uh speaking of killers hit us with a cult john (laughs) i don't know i I was trying to segue but it wasn't very smooth Uh, if you want to if you want to tell me how to segue better get in touch with us on uh, social media or email us at coffeeandcults at gmail.com see segues are smooth i like i like that you did that was almost like a magician sleight of hand trick you like fumbled like the segue hadn't worked and then delivered a really smooth one sam thank you for that thank Um, you 
So uh, I would like to tell you about the cult of the Great Eleven. Ooh. A.K.A. the Blackburn Cult. That's a surname, not the... I was going to say the place in Lancashire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or... Uh, I, it's one of my favourite things, as you know, the ridiculous various names that groups give themselves, or otherwise known as the Divine Order of the Royal Arms of the Great Eleven. The Divine Order of the Royal Arms of the Great Okay, okay, right, I'm following you. Great Eleven, yeah. as opposed to the distinctly average 12. Exactly, <laughs> we've, we've seen that Western. Um, so <laughs> this is a, uh, a new religious movement uh, that started in the 1920s. And oh, Sam, you're—I've made it in the start of my notes here. I'm promising you weirdness, angels, pageantry, and neo-Christian paganism. That sounds like a dream. How could you? How could you not? Weirdness, uh, pageantry, neo-Christian paganism—is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Good. Don't even know if those are uh, appropriate um, terms. So this cult or new religious group uh, was set up by a mother and daughter team. So to see us into the new year, we've got a little bit of a family vibe oh. it was set up by may otis blackburn and her daughter ruth wyland rizzio they have such good names cool. yeah um and they have multiple sort of surnames there for reasons that will become evident um and what's good about this cult fans is that this is yet another california cult california How we've got lots of listeners in california hi hello oh. Based on our reading currently, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you are all probably in in distinct cults from each other because it seems like California is the home, the the epicenter, the most fertile grow bag for cults. I guess, in like, the US. perhaps some logic is it's nice and warm in California, and so if you've got to join a cult that you wear a bunch of robes, you better do it somewhere that's nice and warm. You think it's purely based on a robe appropriate temperature? I that's, think so. That's quite a hypothesis, Sam. I think there's <laughs> a there's a PhD uh, just waiting to get out um, there. But yeah, it's an area that that has borne a lot of the cults and groups that we've talked about in the one of the books that I read about this group. They were talking about how many other cults were operating at the time, to the point where, and this is a mild spoiler, that the police will get involved further down the line. There was an investigation <laughs> into something, and this woman went, oh, I know about that weird cult. I can lead you to where they do their cult rituals and tell you about their dodgy activity. And she then took them to a place completely unrelated to the cult being investigated. And there was a moment where they must have gone, oh, no, 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 we don't mean that group. We mean oh, this no. group. <laughs> She had to go, oh, yeah, no, I can't help you with them. I just know about these guys. Wrong cult. Wow. So, yeah, imagine imagine California swarming cults in the 1920s. And we're in the 20s, much as we are right now, Sam. That's why it seemed appropriate for kicking off 2021. Decadence, the Charleston, that kind of post-war kind of vibe going on. And lots of, yeah, lots of sort of interest in the occult and strange kind of topics going on particularly in in this bit of the states um oh here we go dr brown who he estimated that at the time there were 400 cults active in south california whoa that's a lot which is yeah too many cults. i'm gonna hot take number one for 2021 i think that's too many cults then i well i mean at least we know we're not going to run out of episodes (laughs) (laughs) yes don't panic listeners we could just if we just dedicated ourselves to southern california cults cults of the 1920s and at our pace well that's 15 years (laughs) 
Phew, great. Well, yeah. this is us announcing our Coffee 1920s California, California cult series, starting now, ending in uh, 2040. Great. So, in fact, Sam, at the time, there are so many cults in operation that the Los Angeles district attorney had an undercover man who was employed just to infiltrate cults. Oh, have you got a picture of him? I no. bet I can, like, let's I'll imagine. I'll try and find him in a minute. I'll try and find him in a minute. That's a good shout. Um, I say Detective a white Edmund man, Kane. slim, with sandy brown hair, quite long, a bit of a beard, uh, just quite quite a jovial, pleasant person. Yeah. That's my guess. Something like that, but but with like a hard gumshoe kind of edge to him, right? Like a yeah. a world weary look in his eyes when he sat. Are we a... just imagining someone we fancy? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, that's a new regular feature in the podcast now. It's just Sam and I imagining fictional handsome detectives. Yeah. And I'm here for it. So this is Detective Eddie Kane. Um, he infiltrates lots of different groups to investigate them. He famously exposes a spiritualist called Elsie Reynolds, who's faking seances um, and cool. trying to set up her own little group. And he just sounds very, very cool. I need to do more. I need to look into <laughs> I need to look into him a bit more. Mm. <laughs> I need to research his career a bit more. And I just want it on the record here that um, partly I want that job. If anybody wants to pay me to just infiltrate different cults, Ooh. I will happily do that. But also Netflix, if any of anyone from Netflix is listening, I will develop that as a series for you um, about a 1920s detective whose job it is to infiltrate different cults in Southern California. I'll come. Just copy, copyright help. John Nash 20, yeah. 2021. That's just going to be... Do it. Yeah, just amazing. So, Write so to them. I will do. I will do. I'll do a spec script. Anyway, so um, so that's the kind of the, the the world that we're going to enter in. But we're going to first of all trace the history of of the founder of this group, which normally we wouldn't do necessarily huge, deep autobiographical information necessarily. But it's just a lot of quite interesting, strange stuff about how her how her life runs until she starts this group, and even when she does. Ooh. So May Otis Blackburn is born in Iowa in 1881. Her father dies when she's quite young. And when her mother remarries, she marries a guy called Edgar um, and he moves all of them to Minnesota. And so she has otherwise a fairly stable childhood, but she's got this sort of absent father uh, figure. And then she's married off, as I guess was probably common at the time, right away at 16 to uh, John Wyland. And they move to South Dakota. However, they do that in 1897. But the marriage doesn't last very long. She leaves him in 1899 saying that he's a gambler and that he would get really angry if she didn't give him enough money so that he could go and gamble. But from that marriage, she becomes pregnant with her daughter, Ruth Angelina Wyland. Oh. But oh. May says that not long after the birth, uh, she gets a letter from a doctor saying that John Wyland had sh been shot and killed in, you'll like this, Sam, a mining related argument. <laughs> Ooh. We've all uh, we've all had those. That that was my pan of gold. No, that's my pan of gold. Oh. Then I was imagining a, an 1890s fight. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's 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 uh, I think that's exactly right. Or uh oh you handed me that bit of coal a bit slowly. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> this is how many arguments we've been in <laughs> with miners yeah, yeah. 
if you're asking us to uh, improvise arguments oh. with steel workers, then we'd have loads. But oh, it's yeah. this particular industrial process, um, underserved um, for. But May isn't going to let this uh, hold her life back. So she um, she sends her daughter or puts her daughter to live with her mum and stepdad. And she moves to Minnesota and she marries Rudolf A. Schultz in 1901. Rudolf A. Reindeer? No. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Sam. You heard that. You heard that. Correctly. Mr. Reindeer. Mr. She marries a reindeer, and mm-hmm. that is pretty weird. I think we Facts. can all agree. When these two get married, one of the witnesses at their uh, wedding is a clairvoyant medium called Mrs. Lucy Lamb. Ooh, that I want that good... to be my drag name. It's really close to my real name, right? <laughs> Lucy Lamb. Good, right? Very nineteen twenties. Very. Yeah, kind of makes me think of Lucy the Slut from Avenue Q. Have you seen that? <laughs> I am now picturing that puppet delivering yep. a seance, and it's a good <laughs> mental image. I would watch that play. At West End prices, I would watch that play. <laughs> yep, me too. Um, if anyone from the West End is listening, <laughs> Sam and I will write <laughs> Lucy the Lucy Lamb musical. But it shows that around this time, May is getting involved with various sort of occultist or spiritualist groups wherever she goes. And she's got this very sort of already quite turbulent thing of moving to another place, marrying somebody, that marriage coming to an end one way or the other, then marrying somebody else. And like her daughter has been like dropped off. Right. With her, with the grandparents and, and she's off doing her thing. In 1905, May and Rudolph move again to Portland, Oregon, in theory, so she can be closer to Ruth. But Ruth is being raised as May's younger sister and is told that Ooh. she is the younger sister of May at this point. So, again, it's one of those weird, yeah, slightly odd family dynamics yeah. going on already. However, this doesn't last very long either. In 1906, Rudolph comes home. And May says, hey, uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit. Uh, oh, I need to, what's a 1920s? See? <laughs> voice. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out my first husband's still alive, see? <laughs> Our marriage is illegitimate and I must leave you, see? <laughs> oh. Which, as mm-hmm. you can imagine, comes as a bit of a shock to Rudolph the reindeer. And um, yeah, he's a bit upset by that. He actually doesn't, he doesn't necessarily believe it. He thinks that it's just that she wants out of the marriage. He sort of feels like maybe right. he's failed her and she's just reaching for an excuse to to end the marriage. But she's pretty firm that they're that they're done and that they're over. On May the 15th, 1908, May's lawyer publishes a summons for her first husband, John, Ooh. saying that if he doesn't show, then they'll be divorced and she'll get sole custody. And nobody replies to that. Sometimes. No. Well, surely May... she had sole custody anyway. Well, I don't know. I guess maybe this was just like a legal final. Right. Possibly some cynical people would say in order to secure family finances. But mm-hmm. that, as we'll see, that that also becomes a theme later on. Um, but at this point, May says that her mother got a letter a year before that from someone called John Worthing saying that John Wyland actually had just been buried in Alaska after dying there at work and that may when oh I'll, I'll let me come and talk to you about my husband being dead and when she went to visit him she found that it wasn't worthing that had sent the letter but wyland in alaska hmm this is a lot of travel for the 
they're bloody um, going all over the place, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Um, but there's this very weird thing. So originally, she tells people that he that he he died in he'd been shot in this argument. Yeah. And then later on, she says, "Oh no, a, a year ago he was still alive somewhere, but a year ago he got killed in Alaska." But then I went to see that person, and it was and actually him. it was him, and he was still alive. So I, I've written at this point in my notes, I call shenanigans. <laughs> I call shenanigans. <laughs> which is something I'm going to do more often this year on the podcast, listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some weird, already, there's some odd stuff going on about the people in her life and the claims that she makes about them. She's leaving a bit yeah. of a, yeah, strange, uh, strange trail in respect to her, her husbands and so on. From the records, it seems like John is actually still alive, although he is in Alaska. In 1910, there's an Oregon Journal newspaper article where he's recruiting somebody for a job or something. So, okay, there's definitely, yeah, definitely shenanigans all over the place. It's speculated that all of this sort of shenanigans um, was because May had a lover, a lover uh, called in her abode of love. He was welcome to her abode of love. Uh, <laughs> giving it a pronoun makes it <laughs> makes it seem different <laughs> and she was welcome to his abode of love so she was having an affair basically with um, a married man called Fremont Everett oh what a name who was a Portland lumber tycoon of course and Fremont was. Everett is exactly the kind yeah. of name you would expect so he was married and they were having an affair and he wasn't maybe the brightest person in terms of having right. an affair because um he took photos of the two of them together a lot that they used to send each other. And Whoa. he often sent her love letters on his headed notepaper from his company. But then it's not like they put it on MySpace, you know, <laughs> they didn't put each other in their top eight. Um, let me just, uh, let me just check through my notes and see if they did. Hang on. Right. <laughs> Weirdly, there's no mention of MySpace no, or Bebo here. Yeah, anyway, or... That's an error in my research. I'm sorry, listeners, I've <laughs> failed you. It just seems a bit silly, right? If you're going to have a secret affair, at least don't don't put it on your own headed newspaper, right? uh, headed yeah. notepaper, right? I don't know. I I have neither an affair nor my own headed stationery, so maybe I'm ill-equipped to. I can help you with one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy and you let's some notepaper. Not reveal which. Okay. <laughs> um, so here's a little a little quote from from one of his letters. <clears throat> it is my desire and intention to ask you to become my wife. As soon as I am free to do so, you have been a wife to me already, and I have and do love you tenderly. I don't know what Portland tycoons sound like. Is anyone else in love with John now? (laughs) No, is the answer to that question. Um, (laughs) So um, in 1911, Rudolph is still sort of after May. He's still sort of trying trying to get in touch with her. He's still trying to sort of pursue things a little bit and she asks for an annulment and again i call shenanigans because as part of that process um schultz claims that may had been married before john wyland and that's why that marriage didn't have any bearing on their marriage okay it seems that she married married him when she was 16 so he was claiming there was another husband before that and we don't we don't know whether that's that's true but again What's so questioning the legitimacy of the marriage that made their marriage illegitimate? Yeah, I mean, it's still like, yeah. yeah. Very, 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 very. Maybe she's just got a magical pussy and that's why he wants her so much. (laughs) 
Maybe she seems she and seems this, to do all right for herself. I, this know, might explain can the you con. Imagine, you know, the stresses of of marrying, you know, committing and marrying one person. This woman is doing it at the moment about every three years. Are you um, sure it wasn't the uh, the the great and divine royal pussy of the great eleven or whatever it is? <laughs> I'm renaming it. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So all of this kind of weirdness is is happening. Um, at this point, um, May's mother, Jenny, and Ruth move closer. To where? She moves so much. <laughs> you know, closer to wherever <laughs> to they Oregon? are at this point. I've lost, no, Portland, I think. That's Oregon, yeah. Oh, yes. No, but yeah, yeah. 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 So <laughs> they move closer. At this point, Jenny has taken her third husband, Walter Blackburn, and they have a stepson called Ward Blackburn. Right. So that's that's just something you need to remember for later on. So May now has a stepbrother called Ward. Okay. Um, from her her mother, who's also you know on husband number three or four. Mm-hmm. In 1915, right? Um, May marries George Edward Bloom, ah, who had previously been arrested for quote contributing to the delinquency of a minor girl oh no m-i-n-o-r we're not back in the mines oh no sam no arguments for us obviously it's we can reasonably guess what what that involved um mr bloom was a rapist yeah yeah or yeah yeah not not a not not a cool guy no um really but again, let's maybe store unhealthy interest in, I guess, teenage or possibly younger girls for, for later reference. But that doesn't last terribly long. We don't, again, the records aren't clear on exactly what happens. But in 1917, George Edward Bloom reports as a prisoner to the state prison road camp. And in his paperwork, when he signed into the prison, he says that he is single. OK, so they married and two years later, he's arrested and single by that point then they seem to no longer be married maybe or maybe it was a common law marriage or something you know yeah i mean like i wonder if she got to like get a different dress for each one and that's why she just really likes wedding dresses or she just really craves wedding cake and she doesn't know that it's oh, yeah she's just it's, fruit cake <laughs> yeah <laughs> she could also you know she could also just buy a couple of christmas cakes and yeah. put them in the freezer <laughs> <laughs> just get the little figurines that's it. Just... Well, just sometimes you want a nice party for yourself, don't you? And, yeah. You know. She loves buffets. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot going on, basically. <laughs> a lot going on sure. um, by this point. So around this time, so Ruth is now 17 or thereabouts, and she's she's done a little bit of like performance as a child. She's been like a you know she's done like child ballet and stuff, and has been in um, a couple of shows when she's very young. Um, doing dance but otherwise hasn't done done anything like that which is why it's slightly odd in 1917 that she is cast as the lead in a comedy drama motion picture wow motion picture is an underused phrase these days isn't it it's very good here's a good title for a motion that you get to be the star of this motion picture sam okay yeah anything a nugget in the rough oh no which, funnily enough, it. is what my IBS cookbook is called. No. <laughs> we should Sorry, have put a listeners. warning at the top for poop jokes. Yeah. Um, 
and and she obviously plays the eponymous nugget in the rough in that um film Lovely. Yeah. um she's also in a comedy short called oh maybe this adds credence to your theory sam called the tale of address tale of address um which is going to be in like a double feature so there'll be one longer film and then one Ooh. shorter film um both starring ruth who has no wow. previous acting credits or experience it seems fine people have got to start somewhere mystery solved though sam ah because the film is financed by the starlight film company which is owned by may otis blackburn (laughs) how's this for pushy mothers she founded a film studio to promote her teenage daughter as an actor that's incredible isn't that good? So yeah, she set up. And now there. we know our parents never loved us, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, Mum. I love you. Oh, yeah, where's where's our production studio? <laughs> um, so she set this company up for that reason at their their sort of residential address. Um, made up previous credits for her daughter. Had enough money to sort of set it up and and invest in it a little bit and sort of pushed it with another film company. Said I'll finance this much of it the money presumably coming from successive divorces and and money that she's yeah. accumulated up to this point um may also it seems wrote most of the script of nugget nugget uh, um and there are sort of parallels to to her life story in that film so the character in okay. that film um there's a there's a minor in it and they die in an accident and this girl goes through some trouble and marries someone and then rocks on somewhere else so it's sort of quite heavily drawing on right what you know and sure you know that's what she knew <clears throat> sadly that film does not exist now so i can't show you any oh. of it but it's not really much of a success it loses money it only really gets shown in oregon it doesn't get distributed <laughs> anywhere else right um so it kind of it kind of flops so they're in a bit of a bad situation at that point so they pawn nearly all of their belongings and with that money move to la in the hope that they'll get into the film business that way. Because they just had enough money to buy comfy robes. Yep, comfy robes <laughs> and a warm client. So they um they go there and they try and get film work, but it's not really successful. No one will hire May or Ruth really on the basis of this one credit. Yeah. Um, Ruth works a little bit as an extra. And according to the book I read, at this point, May just reads the Bible a lot. That's that's how she spends Ooh. her time. She just just reads the Bible, and you know that's quite a big book. Read that over and over again a few times. That's that's yeah. quite a while. You Fair get something enough. new each time you read it. Yeah, it's a bit like you know, it's a bit like Skins. Each book is a bit of a you know, it's got a slightly different tone to it. Yeah. It's got different people in it. It's great. Obviously, that doesn't bring in much money. <laughs> so alongside that, Ruth starts working as a, a taxi dancer, which yes, that face. Um, is basically like a instead of a kissogram, it's like a dancergram. So you pay someone to be your dance partner. Okay. So it's a little bit like almost like the cabaret telephone girls kind of yeah vibe. Oh yeah, I'm sure that was never abused. And definitely had no other lap, overlap with other similar professions. Right. Um, she also works as an oriental dancer. That's just what it was called at the time. I'm aware right. that's problematic now. Which again is basically the term at the time for like an exotic dancer um okay and when i show you some pictures there's a picture of her in her oriental dancer right get up 
but she wants to get on that sweet marriage train that her mum has been on. Oh, no. So um, in 1919, she marries... All of these people have brilliant names. Edgar Rickenbow. Rickenbow. Another good name. Yeah. Um, at this point, May is still reading the Bible regularly. So I sort of imagine her in the wedding ceremony, sat in the back, just reading the Bible while like, her daughter gets One married. more chapter, one more <laughs> Even though she fucking loves dresses. She's just, the, the book is still full of it. Um, that much and around this time maybe may herself gets married to a mr holmes Ooh, but there's no mysterious. record of who that was or okay of that particular marriage but it's reported somewhere that she also married a mr holmes is that six five? Oh, i've lost track yeah a lot yeah five Many. or six now a couple of years pass 1921 the rick and bowels separate shocker you know, yeah. children be copying their parents. Yeah. Um, and that marriage surprisingly doesn't work out. Ruth has a bit of a thing with a chap called Arthur Osborne. And it is to Arthur Osborne that she reveals what mother and daughter are really getting up to in their time when they're not doing exotic dancing mm. or reading the Bible. She tells them that her mother and her are writing a book about God, the universe, and how to find buried treasure. <gasps> and did you read the book? We'll come to that. Ah! Are we going hunting for buried treasure? So, um, obviously, this sort of fits in again with it. We'll see a few overlaps with other groups um, as we go on, mentioning no yeah. names. <clears throat> Mormons. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, there's a big feature in this group about angels helping you find buried treasure in the United States. Buried um, golden plates yep. in a garden, I yep. see. And, you know, yeah, and Joseph Smith early on was basically like dowsing for gold for people. So, yeah, um, yeah. so um, here's the let's let's skip to the origin story. So May later tells people that throughout her childhood um, and adulthood, she'd been followed by a mental voice. By which she means a voice in her a head, not like voice. a mental This voice is mental. <laughs> hey, May. What if you read the Bible and wore a robe in LA? Way, way, glow sticks, bucket hat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I miss the nineties. Um, and that Ruth, her daughter, had also heard strange sort of voices um, throughout their life, but they were always a bit like you know that thing you sometimes get as a child where you like think someone's called your name, but it's just yeah. a sound that's been similar. To be fair, they probably think it's strange voices because they never know which husband is going to be speaking to them. It's like, oh, is it, is it Rudolph? That's not or your is it voice. Gregory? Oh, no, that was the previous guy's the voice. That was the yeah. previous guy's voice. Yeah. yeah. So this sort of, yeah, this weird sort of background voice thing is always happening for both of them, supposedly. Okay. Um, until one day, a voice shouts out, Ruth, really loudly, and they both hear it. And okay. then three days later, an angel appears. Wow. Can you imagine if I was like, John? And then three days later. <laughs> Angel of yeah. So it's the 2nd of January now, listeners. I will, I will tweet on the Coffee and Cults account if I encounter an angel in three days' time. Please do. I would hope you would do that anyway. Like, even if had this challenge not been set, if suddenly an angel visited you, that you might think And to that's tweet how I decided to, t to tell the world on Twitter. <laughs> Just saw an angel. Lol. Lol. Uh, <laughs> upside down, smiley face. Or just the angel emoji. Oh, yeah, that would be better, wouldn't it? And Either then an way. eye next to it. And oh, then, that, yeah, um, that like... 
and then an eggplant. I understand emojis. So three days later, an angel shows up uh, and says, I am Gabriel, and you are the two witnesses God has chosen to announce the end of the world. Lucky. How good is that? Can you imagine if Gabriel just popped on this Zoom call? If and like for you on Patreon, if you were watching this and like an angel came through that door behind Sam and you get to have that moment of seeing Sam before she knows that Gabriel is uh, is right there. Oh, that's, oh, that's some sort of horror movie stuff. Just an angel appears. Of course, I suppose theologically it's angels might be around us all the time anyway, Sam. So that oh. might be, there might be an angel already in the room with you going, hey, man, I get no credit. <laughs> So this is quite interesting. So they're told they're the two witnesses that are going to herald the end of the world, which might sound familiar to you, Sam, from our Heaven's Gate days. Yeah, yeah. When T and Doe were told that they were the two witnesses whose job it was to announce Mm. um, the end of the world. Um, So he says that they should do this by writing a book called The Seventh Trumpet of Gabriel, which, funnily enough, is the the title of my gay orgy porn film that I'm developing. Nice. What happened to the first six trumpets? Was it just like when you're trying to learn an instrument? He's like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> first six attempts. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so they have to uh, yeah sort of announce what's going to happen in this in this really important book, um, seventh trumpet of Gabriel, or the great sixth seal, or the sixth seal. The as in as in a seal. R, 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 R. I had to do six. And then yep, it was, thank you. Uh, that's just good audio storytelling. Uh, no, as in like the seal of something, a bit like all that I, no, all I get revelation it. stuff is about seals breaking, right? And yeah, that's, yeah. That's going to be one of those things. Um, I'm, I'm choosing to imagine that it's seals. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a hell, of a, a hell of a cover, wouldn't it? Like Jesus yeah. riding a seal. Um, oh, yeah. Through Someone draw it, please. And send it to coffeeandcults at gmail.com. And I'll tweet it the day after I tweet about seeing the angel. <laughs> um, so they've got this big, important work to do to produce this book. They've got this big role in the apocalypse. And they sort of start telling people that basically they have angels like hanging out with them on the regular um, at home, talking to them about stuff and things. Which I angel imagine must business. be like, you know what it's like when you have a, you know, we've just had the holidays. Hopefully most of you were obeying social distancing rules and so on. But you know what it's like when you have someone, even if you really like a person and they're staying with you, there's that point where it's sort of like it's really time for them to go. That must be even more awkward when they are an angel of the Lord from heaven. Yeah, you're like, oh, I just want to have a shit without worrying if you can hear me. <laughs> just looking at your watch yeah. while Gabriel's plaiting his wings or whatever. <laughs> um, angels do. Polishing his halo. I'd like to polish your halo. Whee! Again, that that happens in the film I'm writing. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So she's. This is like one of the first people that she sort of shares this with. That this is what's really going on at home, um, and that her and her mum have worked out that the Bible is metaphorical. That's one of the things the angels have told them. And St- stop there. Let them stop there. The Bible is metaphorical. Stop. End of sentence. That's it. Almost certainly, coincidentally. Uh, they start dedicating themselves much more to that kind of work now that they've decided to that they can share with people that they have angels stopping by every night. Um, Both of us tried to get into the acting industry. 
I'm glad that we went for regular jobs instead of starting a cult. <laughs> oh, I'm. <laughs> I wish we'd gone the other way. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, maybe we have a mid ground with this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Dabbling. Um. So Arthur is sort of uh, happy with this. He's sort of he doesn't like if if my other half right now went. By the way, turns out I can see angels, and they're telling me this. I might, I might at least raise an eyebrow and and reconsider opposition, um, but he doesn't. He in fact pays for her divorce to the previous chap, to Rickenbow, right? Um, and he starts to bankroll them writing the book and setting up to print it. That's his prerogative. So they've got a bit of money now, nice. and they're using that to set up their group and to buy their robes. <laughs> to buy their robes, yeah, absolutely. That's that's a big a big ticket item on the uh, yeah. on the uh, company accounts. Um, Arthur though only has so much money, so he starts taking out big loans in order to hand it over to May and Ruth so that they can set their church up. At one point, his parents get involved and kind of send some letters going, "Oi, what do you think you're doing?" Mm. And May, Arthur later says jokingly, in his opinion. Uh, May threatens to kill Arthur if they don't leave Ruth alone. Add that to wow. our list of totally chill things for a cult leader to say, even as a joke. Tick. Yeah. Um, so because of all this um, sort of financial trouble that he's in, uh, he loses his job as a result, I think in part because he's maybe taking money from the company or or he's, you know, in straits and that's affecting his work so he loses his job or he's like droning on about his girlfriend who's starting a church and everyone's like i don't want to work with this guy anymore. yeah that might be true girlfriend's church. Um, so he loses his job he's given them all of this money and um ruth breaks up with him and then ruth and may move house without telling him that they're moving or where they're going so he, get, he goes cold. he goes to visit them one day and the house is just empty they've gone oh right yeah and they moved to Portland, which, as we know, is also where eccentric things sometimes happen sure. in um, in America. We love you, Portland. Any Portlander listening? Yeah. So let's um let's hear some of these fine ideas that they're grinding out <laughs> while stealing money from various ex-husbands and boyfriends. Great. Um, you'll be aware, Sam, that the universe breathes in and out via a fourth dimension. Uh, I mean, I, I, I could maybe logic my way through that if you think of the fourth dimension as time and the universe as expanding and contracting in time. Is that? Yeah, maybe. Does that make sense? Um, and basically what happens is each time it's like the old reality gets gets swept away and a new reality gets gets breathed into it's like constantly the old is washed away, the new comes in each with each fourth okay. dimensional breath of the universe. Right. But the problem is, as I've written here in my notes, Sam, Adam and Eve fucked it up. Oh, what a bunch of dicks. Um, is that chapter two of that film that you're making? <laughs> <laughs> Why, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, and so basically that, that meant that this breathing process couldn't happen anymore. Um, which is why the world is now in a bad state because it can't get breathed in and out again and, and cleansed. Right. Um, if if it was fixed, if we went back to the old system of fourth dimensional breathing, then people would live forever. People would be able to find all the hidden treasure that there is everywhere. Oh, 
it would just be a much better place. But we're currently in this in this period where everything's wrong because that breathing isn't happening. There should therefore be a spiritual family. The royal family of the chosen eleven, or the divine order of the royal arms of the great eleven. The divine order of the royal pussy of the great eleven, I think, <laughs> yep, is what absolutely. we what we named it. Oh yeah, I see that. Yeah. I see that now in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is basically Ruth, May, yeah. and nine other women will rule the earth once this breathing has been sorted out. Why did they name it arms and not? Boobs. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Um, so they'll That's be. That's assuming these women have boobs. You know yeah. what I mean. They'll be the rulers of the earth, um, all living together in this bit of the United States, um, and each of them will have eleven kings okay. of their own kind of spiritual harem. I was going to try and do that maths. What's that? Like a like a hundred and forty four people, and then is there another thousand? Like because one hundred and forty four thousand is the number, isn't it? Oh. Well, these are. Ju- I suppose these are just the rulers of Earth, right? There might be a certain number of believers underneath them who yeah. are misses. Um, but yeah, so yeah, they're, they're each going to have eleven husbands to to contend with, who are who are going to sort of help them out. But they're not really in charge. This is quite a you know women at the top. Um, that sounds like a lot of hassle, doesn't it? God, yeah. Imagine having it? eleven husbands. Sounds exhausting. Who are misses? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, in my notes, I've written. Ua, Kings, Ua. Yeah, nice. Because <laughs> I am a child. God, Sam, responds to actions, not thoughts. Okay. Um, so you can pray, but that doesn't really. You have to do something in the real world in order to communicate with with the other side, with the divine. I just imagine people like acting out their prayers instead, doing like mine. Or like prayer semaphore. That'd be really cool at the front of the church. Yeah. With the with the glowing thing, of course. Otherwise, it's not semaphore. Come into land, Gabriel. Come this goes back land. to that mental movement <laughs> that we were doing a minute ago. It's all say. It's all connected. Yeah. As as May oh. believes, everything is connected. So they start they start recruiting followers. Often, whole families will join in one go. A bit like other groups that we've talked about. A bit like the um, like Jonestown and Jonestown. A bit like the panacea society as well yeah. it's quite often the women who want to join and then they bring their um their families with them so there's a few where the husband's like well i wasn't really into it but to keep the family together we decided to move and join this group yeah one of those people who joins is martha rhodes she is a former christian science camp welfare officer okay so martha rhodes likes her niche religions yeah, and she's been quite involved with Christian science and yeah. Mary Baker Eddy, the discoverer and, and founder, founder of Christian. Uh, Christian science. And there's there's a little bit of overlap with some of the sort of Christian science thought and this group and other cults at the time. It's part of this sort of new thought movement, which is all like everything's just down to how you think about things. And if you change yeah. your thinking, you can change the the world. Rumours are that she had started a faith healing cult in Clamour County previous to her time joining the Blackburn cult. There were also rumours that her son had died and that they had buried him ritualistically in their front yard. Ooh, weird. 
So there are some weird rumours going around about this couple. Yeah. Um, Martha also claimed to have raised multiple people, including herself, from the dead. Hmm. Okay. Does she mean uh, woke them up suddenly? <laughs> that feeling when you're in bed and you go, Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Or like, yeah. That's it. She just, you know, really farted and woke herself up and went, oh, I must have died. <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> By that scent, I must have died. But now I've come back to life. Oh, that's a little snapshot into John's truth there, isn't it, listeners? Where did that come from? That's never, that's never happened to me. <laughs> I'll just edit that out. That's fine. So, yeah, so she's got all these claims about her healing powers, including the power of resurrection. I'm sure that's true. Yeah, I'm sure it's all true. Um, she meets May and introduces her to her foster daughter, the teenage Willa, who May instantly is like, you're amazing. You're going to have a really important role in our group, Willa. Um, she calls her the tree of life. She's sort of, she's going to be like one of the princesses to the people who, these 11 um, right. queens who are going to rule the earth. Let's do some other beliefs. Um, yes, let's. The, the, the group is basically sort of like pantheistic. There's, this, there's a lot of like mathematical stuff, which we won't go into because it's too sort of head scratchy. But the idea is that God is like a thing that has come into being because of the rules of the universe. So wherever you have four cardinal points, mm -hmm. right, north, south, east, west, up, down, left, sideways, whatever, that automatically, but by that happening, that automatically sort of creates a vortex thing, which is God. And therefore, that is the universe, because for the universe to exist, there have to be those four points. And that means that God exists within those four. Right. Points. Okay. So the universe sort of came first, but the universe is God. Sure. Okay. Simultaneous appearance of universe plus God. Yeah. And he, I'm sorry, because I'm stupid. Uh, no, no, you're not. This is, <laughs> this is incomprehensible. So he is anywhere there are corners. So for instance, <laughs> sorry for this noise. This book has four corners, right? Right. Top, side, side, side. Does that mean... Malala is God. I would interesting, believe it. Um, interesting because speculation. That's that's four cardinal points there, <clears throat> here and here, and so in between is. So not in every four points, but it's more like it's a bit like you know, like the um, the Taoist thing, right? Is that there's nothing at some point in the universe, right? There's a point where there's nothing. Yeah. If there's nothing, that means logically there has to be something. So as soon as there's nothing, immediately there has to be something. Otherwise, nothing isn't a meaningful concept. Okay. And as soon as there's one thing, that sits around long enough um, and goes, oh, well, if there's one thing, then there must be a second thing. Otherwise, there's nothing. And, so, and nothing then the universe starts the melting. Thing. And yeah. that's how we get the universe, right? That's the sort of the, the Taoist philosophy thing is that then mm -hmm. you get the, the world of 10,000 things. So it's a bit more like... Because there are four directions in the universe, if the universe exists and there are four directions, then that automatically creates God in the middle of it and then God becomes everything. Okay, okay, that explanation made more sense. Taoism makes more sense than this made up religion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Taoism, I think, is pretty much as a metaphor for like how mm -hmm. the universe works. I think that's that's pretty good. This, however, a bit weird. But that also means that the universe operates in in those kinds of parallels right one thing and the other thing so the universe has both visible 
and invisible worlds. There's a visible universe okay. and there's the invisible universe behind it. So that's much like, you know, theosophy and lots of Western magical thinking. Yeah. There's the world that you see and there's this other invisible world that influences it. In order to have effects, the invisible world can affect the visible world and vice versa. And you can do that through rituals because um, there are all these kinds of correspondences, right? So things that have the same name or have the same shape correspond to other things and you can affect those things. So like if I want to, I don't know, if I want to own a cow, then I might, what corresponds with a cow? I get like boringly like milk, then I might do a ritual with milk that would correspond because those things link. Or, you know, if I want to be successful in war um, and Mars is the god of war, then red is a colour associated with Mars and therefore with war. So it's that kind of like sympathetic magic. (laughs) Exactly. Like the the name on a Mars. So I'd eat a Mars bar and then I win the war, basically. Nice. So they believe that there are all these what, what she calls concords, things that associate with each other and mean are part of this way that you can influence the world through ritual action so one of the things they do is they they have sort of names on that she places great store in names this is our favorite section of uh, any of these podcasts here are the various names she gives herself Woo, ding, ding. so she is either the north star mm. or the heel of god okay the bunion of god no or the heavenly highness queen may the Heavenly Highness Queen May. Isn't Great. That nice. Yeah. Um, that sounds like someone's D&D character. <laughs> Definitely. Feel free, Sam, to use that next time you... Uh... My current D&D character is called Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Does she just complain to the managers of yeah. various castles? Going? Oh, yes. Or May is called the Mother. Okay. But she does lots of this stuff. So sometimes like, if somebody's got a really good positive associated surname, like if you were called... Um, Doug strength then that would be fine <laughs> you get to keep i was gonna name. say like goodman or something but no you went uh, michael masculinity, power right <laughs> michael pa- hi i'm michael power he's definitely a character in my 1920s undercover detective um tv series oh i thought you were gonna make it the uh a bunch of dicks movie <laughs> <laughs> he's in both i'm building yeah. my universe in the John Nash universe. <laughs> like the avengers characters universe. That, yeah All right. Kyle Strength and Mike Power. <laughs> What's the name? I don't remember the name. Doug Strength, yeah, which Doug is somehow Strength, worse. Sorry. So sometimes she changes their names or gives them other nicknames that have more mm-hmm. positive. So I was trying to think for... So like with my surname, my surname basically means someone who sits under an ash tree or someone who's near an ash tree. So I right. guess that's sort of okay. Um, the only thing I could think for yours was like Lundy Cake. I'm not even sure what Lundy cake is, except that that's well, the name of a cake. I know there's an island that's got like puffins living on it called Lundy. Oh, great. Cool. Uh, but the name Lund means something like a um, like a tarn or a, a plateau in a, in a, in a like hillscape. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So those might be quite positive, but for some people she sort of renames them. Oh, I just have to give you a good... Um, so Ruth, um, her title is the Grand Royal of the Waters of the Father's Blood. God, I'm trying to get that on a credit card. Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Sign that every time as well. Yeah. The Grand Royal of the Waters of the Father's Blood. Well remembered, Sam, from having only heard me run through it once. Royal. I'm just, it's just because it doesn't sit in my brain, so I'm trying to... 
trying to make sense of it. The Grand Royal of the Grand Royal what of the the Grand Royal. Well, I guess they're all royals, aren't they? Because they're all these queens. So she's just the queen of of the water of the blood. Of the father's blood. Queen Plasma. Ooh. So because of this belief system, there are odd things like apples are banned because obviously oh. Adam and Eve got into trouble with apples, and therefore if they ate or had or bought apples, then they would be associating themselves with the Just fall. Don't buy them off a snake. <laughs> what? Yeah, if a snake is sell- is operating yeah. a greengrocer's, just avoid it. That is a rule like, that I follow Kathy, in my life. Fine, go and buy Kathy's apples. Kathy's That's right. a bit of a snake, though, isn't she? In a more metaphorical no. sense. No, Kathy's a really nice greengrocer. I know. And so it gets really convoluted, right? So God, right, had had Abraham, and then made him call himself Abraham, so that then he would be linked with Ham as in Noah's son, Ham, which means that Ham is linked because obviously um, his descendants are supposed to be cursed, right? Which some yeah. racist Americans say is how yeah, people Chan. get black yeah. skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there's a link from Abraham to Abraham to Ham to so then- the slave descendants of Ham. There are slaves in the United States and who freed the slaves? Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Because it's yeah. all linked together, um, which is why May okay. owned a Lincoln car because <laughs> it had all those associations. Back I thought to this was going to be more dietary restrictions and like they didn't eat ham. No, <laughs> she just had a car because Abraham Lincoln freed some slaves and slaves were came from ham and ham is the end word of Abraham. That is a load of shit, John. So it really is. Yeah. You <laughs> can really make anything work nonsense. if you want to, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it means there's all sorts of, yeah, stuff about the power of words and things that correspond to each other and numerology and all kinds of I was going to say, it gives stuff. me a numerology vibe. Yeah, it absolutely is that kind of vibe. They, one of the, so like the number seven is really important. The number 11 is really important. You can't, a- <laughs> I wish I'd written more context here. You can't age older than nine. Sam, each time you live nine years, you reset. That would be amazing. I'm going to be 30 this year. I would love to go back to 21. That'd be great. Um, But also, wouldn't the world be terrible if we all just had the mentality of nine-year-olds? That would be awful. That would be bad. So they need this this divine order that's going to help restore the universe, and it's going to use this series of correspondences and concords in order to help get there. May is in charge, and one of the important things they need to do, you'll remember, is is get this book done. All right, yeah. So they're they trying to set up yeah. printing presses and stuff so that once the book's written, and Ruth and May keep going, oh, yeah, we're all bit writer's block this week, but we're we're doing all right. Oh, it's getting by. Oh, Gabriel had some notes. Um, they're sort of constantly <laughs> revising. Gabriel went through it with his highlighter, and it's just a nightmare now. So they're trying to, trying to work on this. Um, and helping them set up the printing is Ward Blackburn. The stepbrother. Yeah. Right. Who May, by this point, is now in a relationship with. Ew. Wait. May? What? So. I th- Oh, no, it was May's mother that was with. Yeah. Yep, got it. So May is now in a relationship with her stepbrother. She's now knocking off her stepbrother, who is a year younger than Ruth at this point. Oh. A year younger than her daughter. Oh. That makes you gip, doesn't it? 
It's you're prepared to gip more. Sorry, anyone emetophobic. <laughs> Prepare for further gipping. Ward famously goes around dressed as an oriental mystic. So he's oh, a white man, no. but he grows like a Fu Manchu oh, moustache like and black robes and slicks his hair. Yeah. He also um, apparently is sort of famously has quite bad um, hygiene. He's also, Sam, a child molester. So in 1924, they get married. Uh, and oh. as I put here in my notes, who says romance is dead? These people. That's also married. the second child molester she's married. Was she a child molester? We don't know. She has this slightly weird obsession with the teenage daughter of one of her followers. But beyond that, we don't. And her own daughter, I suppose. With the starting the film crew for her and whatever. Yeah. So they keep building their little cult and they've got a few more members now. I think at their peak they have like a couple of hundred members, okay. but it's a bit smaller at this point. And uh and they build a they build a communal residence with ten rooms where everybody can live together and they can and they can get things going. They publish an eight pamphlet series called The Trumpet of Gabriel, which isn't the book. It's basically like trailers for the book. Okay, okay. And the, the prequel to your film. And right? the prequel to my film, right. Yeah. And weirdly, it's supposed to be like there's a book, uh, there's a pamphlet for each trumpet and then there's like a one after. That's why it's eight because the seven is important and there's one more to sort of... Like a postscript. Round it off. And there it's, uh, it talks about like the seven concords of the rainbow. Seven is a magical number in this group. It comes up time and time again. You'll need to remember that for for the next part as well um there's also mentioned in these pamphlets the divine order of the seven sacred dogs oh nice hold on to that phrase sam seven, the divine, divine order, order of, of the seven, the seven, sacred, seven sacred, dogs. sacred dogs yeah so that yeah basically this is all promo for the big book that's going to come out later on it talks a bit about like some of the rituals that they're doing and there's definitely a lot of like ritual work going on of different kinds it's all i'm just going to write down the divine order of the seven sacred dogs do and I won't remember why. <laughs> Around this time, Ruth, who's uh, 24 by this point, she starts dating a 17-year-old, uh, Sammy Rizzio, uh, who is <laughs> a 17-year-old with mafia connections. He's part of an Italian Ooh. immigrant family. They're all tied up with quite a few like professional criminal kind of 17 years old? Yep. Um, He's also had a bit of a, a light criminal past already, even though he's only 17. So they get married. Mm. Um, he is not very keen uh, on the group. <laughs> he's not so down with it. How right. you date and marry someone who's running a cult without being on board with that, I don't know. But I admire his, his open-mindedness. I told you this is a family with magical pussies. <laughs> that is true. It really <laughs> seems like yeah. it. So they sort of they don't get on terribly well during the the early start of their marriage, um, and they argue quite a few times. And he's really pressuring her to leave the group. He oh. really thinks they should just cut out of that and go and do their own. Poor thing. Sammy, sort of. Supposedly, there is one day where they have an argument, and he hits Ruth and then leaves. Okay. Leaves the house. Leaves yeah. with his stuff. After that, a gathering is called at the cult's headquarters. Ooh. And May says the following chill thing for a cult leader to say. Yes. Yes. Now prepare yourself 
as this is going to be terrible. See? The angel Gabriel commanded that I kill Sammy Rizzio. Oh, shit. And in the room is um, a woman called Eleanor, who's a druggist. She works in a pharmacy. And May says, hey, guess what? Hey, guess what? I forgot that was May's voice. Ah, guess what, see? Gabriel says you need to sell me some poison, see? So that we can kill him. <laughs> Don't worry, though. I'll, <laughs> I'll bring him back from the dead after we publish the book, see? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that like home improvement thing. Um, so what? with that, she says, huh? right, go and get me some poison. So, yeah, give me some poison because then I'm going to kill Sammy and then release my book and then bring Sammy back from the dead. So the idea is, right, that once they publish the book, that's going to be like the big kickoff for the end of the world. Everything's going to sort of, you know, the big turnaround is going to happen then. So like all this really great stuff's going to happen then. And at that point, you know, it won't matter. She can bring everyone back. Everyone will come. Well, it's a bit more like everyone will come back from the dead at that point because it's part of the end of the world and he'll be fine. So don't worry about it, basically. Okay. And she gives that order, tells Eleanor that that's what's going to happen. And that is where we're going to leave <gasps> part one. Oh, shit. To be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. Cool. Thanks, John. Okay, so we've got May and ruby with their magical pussies that have now got their group of 11 women and 11 husbands yeah 11 t people that are That's ruling right. yeah ruling the place and then some murder plots Ooh, mm. wow <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah i'm excited to hear what's next it's like there's some crazy shit coming up and like Mm. true true crime fans there is some some more crime coming up but just everything about their life up to this point is just so odd yeah how interesting and like and i well i assume rare for that sort of time because you know divorce rates are higher now than they were previously but maybe those women were entirely responsible for all of the divorce in in portland oregon at that time <laughs> Quite possibly, like it's such a regular mm. pattern. There's all that you know. There's just so much stuff where you go, mm, mm. "This is a bit weird." Your husband disappeared, or did he move somewhere? Or you said he or was both, dead, and then neither. he wasn't dead, yeah. or then yeah, it's all just very confusing, you know. And like the, the people that she keeps ending up with are suspect as well. There are some you don't seem yeah, suspect, but so, two you know, pedos. Like yeah. that's either intentional or super unfortunate. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. all very, very, very strange. But it's um, it's gonna get stranger, yay! Because that's what we like, of course. Great, Fab. Well, thank you very much for for listening, listeners. Um, if you stick around until the very end, uh, you'll be able to hear a short word from our new sponsor. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can contact us at coffeeandcults at gmail dot com or find us on the social medias. I wonder it if you can guess what our handles are. If you'd like to support us, you can do that in a one-off donation. Buy us a cup of coffee to record with at ko-fi.com forward slash coffee and cults. Or if you'd like to give us more regularly, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash coffee and cults, where you can see uh, videos of these uh, podcast recordings at the moment while we're still socially distanced. And there are lots of little bonus episodes of us reading things or listening to the music of cults, etc. So let's still video like record when we when we don't have to socially distance. Let's still video record because we 
do have fun in person as well. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. That's a no, lie. no fun. Um, yeah, we'll yeah we'll work out how we. So yeah, do check out all that extra stuff. Um, if you'd like to and you like what we do, please do uh, post a review um, or let people yeah. know about us in various different places. That just helps us. Uh, tell your clandestinely tell your friend in a in a canteen. Yes, thank, thank you, you to, to those of you who have emailed that, us yeah. to <laughs> tell us that they were secretly initiated in a canteen. Yeah. Um, so please do that and spread the word. And uh, we hope you have a blooming brilliant twenty twenty one. Hooray! Happy New Year, my friends. Happy New Year, one and all. We'll see you next time for part two of the Blackburn Cult. Ooh, we love you. We love you. Bye. Wait, 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 before we go, we have found out about an intense new coming-of-age novel that we would love to share with you. Featured on BuzzFeed, Publishers Weekly and Kirkus, From the Moon I Watched Her by Emily English Medley is a poignant story of loss and self-discovery that shines by showing the human desires for truth, community and love under a church's oppressive control. It sounds right up our street, Sam and listeners. From the Moon I Watched Her is a tale about the skeletons that lurk under church pews and the little girl who goes looking for and finds them. Amid the dark and quirky terrain of camp revivals, burning crosses and public shunnings, one child from the Southern Churches of Christ cries out. Spooky. Very spooky. Noted by BuzzFeed as an unsettling and dark tale of growing up in a family with dark secrets, this highly anticipated novel introduces us to the Walters, a pure, good and church-going family in 1977 Texas. At least that's how it seemed from the outside. Red flags are plenty, <laughs> left, right, and centre. From the Moon I Watched Her is published by Greenleaf Book Group and is available everywhere books are sold starting January 19th. But you can pre-order online now from your favourite book retailer. Learn more at emilyenglishmedley.com.